Hi, I'm Shona. And I'm Craig. And this is London by Lockdown, a travel podcast about falling in love with the new city in strange times, remaining curious and open, enjoying everyday discoveries and making it work. Once upon a time, there was a river. A smilioga. And a magical reawakening. But before all that, the city's emptied out. It's mid-August. It's been so hot. I may or may not be in my undies (laughs) as we record this. (laughs) Even the Swifts have gone, possibly to Central Africa. They know what's good for them. (laughs) They do. And I have city creep. Yeah. And we do plan for this, the city creep, not the heat wave. So normally we'd get out of town and go hiking. We just thought a pandemic and a holiday... Didn't sound relaxing. So instead of going out to nature, we challenged ourselves to find the nature in the city, in our own neighbourhood. Welcome to Episode 9, Lost Rivers and Hidden Stories. In the beginning, there was a river. The river became a road, and the road branched out to the whole world. And because the road was once a river, it was always hungry. Ben Okri, the famished road. I'll be honest, I didn't know that London got this hot and sticky, but I did look it up and it's a big bloody basin and large parts of the city used to be like floodplains and stuff and wetlands. Ah, that makes sense. I feel like in a city it's really easy to forget that underneath all the concrete and the tar, this place is defined by the laws of the land and its waters. I didn't know this, but Fleet Street gets its name from the River Fleet. Ah. Hmm. So nearby is Earl's Sluice which I think flows under Newcross Road. And then there's the River Ephra. The Neckinger. Dalkenbrook. Beverly Brook. River Quaggy. Sudbrook. Tyburn. Hackney Brook. You got all the brooks. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Moser. Westbourne. Counters Creek. And here's the one we're looking for, the River Peck. Peckham is a neighbourhood in Southwark Borough and is named after the river. And I go jogging in the Peckham Rye Common. So I thought over here, just on this little billboard, this path has nine species of bat. It has hedgehogs. No way. Yeah, it has four species of amphibians, which there's a picture of a lizardy thing. It has a stag beetle, whatever that is when it's on. The peck is mostly underground now, lost under the city, but it pops up here and there in a couple of places, including the common. Oh, this smells so good. This reminds me of like where I used to play as a kid, like, you know, when you're in amongst the big trees. Here's the river. Here's the creek. It's a tiny little creek. It's probably, what, I know, a foot and a half wide, and then there's a random creek bit, which we can't actually see how wide it is because it's got some overgrown plants, but it wouldn't be more than a few feet. It looks pretty, though. Two rocks, and it's like the tiniest little, like, waterfall that's about two inches drop. (laughs) I don't think that's a waterfall. I think it is. So it goes under the pathway. It's hidden by all these overgrown plants, which is kind of cool. Oh, and then it's gone under again. It's not much of a rivulet or a river. Council plans to replant parts of the landscape so that it catches water a bit better. And so they call them lost rivers? Yeah. Basically, it seems like there are all these little rivers that 150 years ago, something like that, they started enclosing them. Lost rivers? It's such a beautiful, like, it's a really poetic way of describing it. Peckham Rye Park was laid out in 1893. The new park extended over 51 acres and was officially opened on May 14, 1894. 
after a procession through Camberwell and Pickham. I like the idea of having a procession for a park. <laughs> Heavy downpours overwhelm the stormwater system and then there's a bit of a feedback loop. So the flood rains wash into the sewer system and when that gets overwhelmed, everything backs up and contaminated water starts flooding the streets. Oh, it's a bit gross. Yeah. And this is our first clue into why the Peck and other rivers were lost rivers, which, as we'll find out, is part of a larger story about a smelly ogre and a previous global pandemic. A river can sometimes be diverted, but it's a very hard thing to lose altogether. JG Head, architect, London's Lost Rivers. Dinner parties are a little bit thin on the ground at the moment, so you and I have homemade pizza. We've bought three glasses of wine, one for our listener and one for each of us. Thinking about what it's about, possibly not the best (laughs) conversation. So, the peck, what does that mean, that it's enclosed? What I can piece together is that actually means that it was diverted into moving sewage through the sewage system. At that time, the city sewage system was yeah. kind of like this mix of overflowing cesspits. The theory seemed to be like, we're going to get our drinking water from upriver and then we're going to just dump our crap <laughs> <laughs> kind of as far downriver as we we can kind of be bothered or as far downriver as we can engineer. We can get it. Everyone knew this was not ideal. And then I was just stunned. There was another pandemic. Here? In the 1800s. Yeah. There was a global cholera pandemic. All oh, right. It actually started in the Ganges in Mm -hmm. India Mm -hmm. in the 18-teens. And then it spread across Asia and then it came to Europe and the Americas. Colonialism and occupation and war was happening, so I'm guessing that's kind of how it spread. There was in this series of outbreaks in London. Mm -hmm. Cholera likes brackish water. Mm -hmm. And the Ganges and the Thames are actually quite similar. One theory is that the bacteria would get in the river and because it's an estuary, it's a tidal river, it wouldn't get kind of taken out to sea. It would get kind of just go back and forth. And then South London kind of plays a really important role in this mm-hmm. story. And Lambeth in particular. So this borough is Lewisham and then the borough next to us, just west, is Suffolk. And then just west of that borough is Lambeth. You can kind of look across the river and see Westminster. You can see the seat of power, but as we will find out, there was actually very little power in Lambeth at the time. I think that's really telling. In the first half of the 1800s, Lambeth's population exploded in a really short period of time. People were pushed off their land by industrialisation and the land grabs that came with that. There was also Irish people fleeing the oppression that created the conditions for the Ungorthamore, which is the Irish famine. Yeah. There were also former slaves. They were just released with no justice, no reparations. There were all these people from all these experiences coming to Lambeth and trying to build a life for yeah, themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Locals were complaining about unsanitary conditions and the dirty water. They even told a delegation of visiting politicians, I think Mm -hmm, it was. mm -hmm, And one of the stories was that people tried to build little drains Mm -hmm. in the back of their homes, so it meant the big public drains. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when they tried to do that, they got fined. So hang on, when they tried to make their homes safer, they got in trouble for it. Yep. 
at the time they didn't know what caused cholera specifically. Having been through the whole thing with COVID, all these yeah, things yeah. that we've been trying to figure out. So they were doing the same thing. They were they doing the same thing. They didn't know if it was like smells or... They were making the connection between something smells really bad that's really unhealthy. They weren't too far off. There was a series of outbreaks and thousands and thousands of people died. Yeah, right. Particularly in Lambeth, but also in other parts of the city. Mm-hmm. And then what was found later was that there were three main water companies based in South London. Yep. And they also would provide water to, like, north of the river as well. Westminster? I don't know. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. Everyone was on board with the idea that sewage is going into the river. It's clearly not good. So what they were saying that they were doing was getting water out of rivers and then cleaning it. But they weren't. Cleaning it? Yep. So 1858, there was this really hot summer, combined with the bad sanitation. The whole city was called the Great Stink. It goes down in history books as the the Great Great Stink. Stink. And it was so bad, people couldn't go outside. Oh my god, (laughs) that's crap. And then in Westminster, whole bits, they're like, oh yeah, you can't go into these rooms, you can't use this wing, because the smell was so oppressive. And Westminster's near the river. (laughs) So so Parliament was shutting down. Can you imagine the smell of poo and and rubbish is so bad, we've just shut off this entire wing (laughs) of our most prestigious building. It's crazy to get around. Even though there'd been all these workings, are like, yeah, we should increase the sanitation, the sewage system. There's been all these deaths, and as soon as the Great Stink happened, yeah. like it just got signed off. All the complex political manoeuvres and elections and voting that had kind of held it up, like yeah, they seemed to manage to get it through very quickly. Sure. London was about two million people. Uh huh. Thinking ahead, mm-hmm. they're like building a sewage system for like four million, four and a half million. Excellent. How many people at the moment? Nine million. Right. Which is why flooding is so bad because there's concern that it's contaminated with sewage. Yeah, right. The system's just... Overwhelmed, yeah. Yeah. Last year, yeah. raw sewage was released into rivers in England 200,000 times. 200,000 times? Yeah, in one year. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's huge. And I'm guessing they do that when the system gets overwhelmed. What are they doing? Are they doing anything about it? I don't have my head completely around it, but I think they're building what's called like a massive sewage superhighway, like a kind no. of the Thames Tideway tunnel. <laughs> It's basically going to go into this big tunnel and the tunnel's going to take it further out of the city. Lambeth locals were like, they were on the front lines of all this. So they're obviously building illicit drains and being fined (laughs) and talking to political delegations and that type of thing, making complaints. But the other thing that they were doing, they were also involved in a really important part of the building of the new sewage system. They worked for a local factory that built the ceramic sewer pipes. That eventually went on to become <laughs> Royal Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, when I think Royal Dalton, I'm going to think <laughs> yeah. Houses are solitary and dignified. Streets are adventures, twisting in and out and up and down my mind. The river is talking to itself and doesn't care if I eavesdrop. Clearing a Space by Brendan Kennelly. When we started all this, I had sort of hoped that catching a glimmer of a lost river would feel a little bit magical, but it felt like it was just being oppressed and covered in concrete and the lost river was still lost. So on the way back home, I decided to take us via Nunhead Cemetery and go inside there for the first time. And if that sounds strange, bear with us. We took a punt. 
And we saw squirrels and English magpies and crows and a fox. Yeah, yeah, middle of the day. And patches of ripe blackberries. Oh, wow. This is what I was sort of saying about Stoke Newington was like this area where you'd have graves, but it's overgrown by trees and plants. And we only see that in kind of old horror movies, but it's really beautiful. I'm not sure if it's just because it's an overcast day, but in parts of this area, it does feel like you can smell water. Makes me wonder if the river goes anywhere near here. So it's a privately owned Victorian cemetery. When city churchyards became unhealthily full, I look like it closed in 1975 and then the London Borough of Southwark took it over. Ah, oh, with little or no maintenance from the 1960s, the cemetery reverted to meadow, scrub and then woodland as nature slowly reclaimed it. It is now a rich and diverse habitat designated a local nature reserve and a metropolitan site of importance for nature conservation. Woodland fauna includes 60 species of birds such as woodpeckers, kestrels and tawny owls. Common and soprano pipistrelle bats regularly forage around the chapel and foxes are common. Stag beetles and newts can be found in the wetlands. I said I felt like there was wetlands. Many butterflies and moths are resident. I'm blown away and this also feels like everything in the world feels like it's just going in the wrong direction and you see like this is what something can revert to if we just give nature the space. Because it went from meadow to scrub and then woodland. The Nunhead Cemetery is part of what's called the Magnificent Seven. Seven cemeteries across London, which is slowly being reclaimed and rewilded. And afterwards, I got really curious about the trees. This area where we live was once the Great North Wood. Since the 1980s, a dedicated group of volunteers, friends of Nunhead Cemetery, have been caring for it, including in places encouraging the wildness. Cool. Oh. Outside the cemetery, Linden Grove, like Limesford Road, is also planted with limes, in this case small-leaved limes, passing through Nunhead and following the ridge along Kiddo Road. This ridge above New Cross and Deptford is thought to have been the limit of the Great North Wood, although any sign of it now is long gone. But a bit further along on Vesta Road is New Cross Gate Cutting, a rarely open nature reserve and a last vestige of that woodland. I know this sounds really strange but the idea that this is a woodland it just I just feel really comforted by that and even though most of the trees are are gone the idea that this this land is woodland that the land still wants to be woodland and it's likely once you know once the cities no longer exist that's going to go back to being wood again it just yeah it just helps me feel a little bit more connected and to know where I am Now that we've started looking for them, we've been finding all these small efforts to nurture the wild city. So there's a program called Beelines to create highways of bee habitat. Here in London, it reaches from Enfield in the north to Croydon in the south. And there's also forest schools. It's just about connecting with the forest. It's about playing. It's about being in nature. It's about all the psychological benefits as well. Like I I think it's like the whole package of why being connected to wild spaces is important. So there's just like an old tree that someone's cut into bits and put on a bit of grass at the back of the park. Well, council. Council. It doesn't look like much. But they've all got little signs pinned to them with pictures of bugs and larvae. It says, please be aware that living in these logs are the larvae of stag beetles. They are an endangered species and protected by law. (laughs) They spend up to seven years as larvae living in logs such as these. 
and then only live as an adult beetle for like a few short months. That seems like a horrendous waste of time. <laughs> Please do not kick, roll, move, burn, do anything that may destroy their habitat. So it spends up to seven years as larvae. I love that. That's just made my day. Like the <laughs> fact that there's all this protection for a little beetle you're not going to see for seven years. And so endeth the story of a lost river. A smelly ogre. And a reawakened wood. Fairy tales don't end. They just finish on a high, like a sensible athlete or a butterfly. Fairy tales by Holly McNish. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you're finding ways to stay connected, to find a bit of magic in your world and that you're staying safe. If you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook at Craig's Audio Works and on Instagram and Twitter at LDN by Lockdown. And you can find more of Craig's brilliant audio at craiggarrett.online. We love knowing that people are coming along with us on our adventures. So if you want to make sure that you don't miss any of them. Any. Any at all. You can subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. So join us for our next adventure. As always, thanks to Unregistered Master Builder and Kester for the show music. Piano interludes were Fairy Tale by Livio Amato from the Free Music Archive. Poetry by Ben Ockrey, Holly McNish and Brendan Kennelly. And check out Holly's work especially, she's amazing. Sound effects, the BBC Archives. All links and information available in the show notes. London's Lost Rivers, Beelines, Forest Schools, Peckham Rye Common, the history of Lambeth and the history of London's cholera outbreaks, if you want any more information on any of that sort of stuff. And also check out the book London is a Forest, written by, and I kid you not, Paul Wood. With that name, he was destined to write that book, and it's awesome. Well played, Paul. For this episode's show notes, I've written a love letter to the rivers in my life. Take care from London by Lockdown. <laughs>